You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. at that cross and say truthfully. Now you may have to do it by faith, but you can do by faith in the object that you're looking at. He gave everything. He gave the apple of his eye. He gave himself. He gave a part of himself. He gave his one and only son for you. And every time doubt comes in that God loves you, you go back to the cross. And it's undeniable truth. In this world, you will experience suffering. You've likely already had a great amount of it in your life. And it's common in those seasons of suffering that you can begin to doubt God's goodness and love for you. Today, Pastor Danny will encourage you with a reminder of the overwhelming love that God has for you. No matter what you're going through, God loves you and He's with you. Suffering and trials are never because God has stopped loving you. Trust Him, your glory is coming. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter eight, as he begins his message, More Than Conquerors. Grab your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we left off down in verse 31. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? So you have to pause right there for a minute and answer the question, what are these things that we're responding to? And there's quite a bit, but the main context of the question is suffering in the will of God. Suffering in the will of God. Now, uh, in regard to suffering, and I know my son taught last week on, on the verses before this, but everybody suffers. He mentioned that last weekend. Everybody suffers. We, we live in a cursed world. I don't know if you've, you've clued in on that yet, but this is a very imperfect world. And so everybody suffers. Believer, unbeliever, Christian, non-Christian, everybody suffers in this life because of the curse. It's a cursed world. And that's why Jesus came. He regained, He came to redeem not only human beings and souls, he came to redeem the creation. That was in the text last week. The creation is groaning, looking forward to the newness that's going to come when Jesus returns. Can you say hallelujah to that? I mean, it's going to be amazing going to be amazing. And so everybody suffers because it's a very imperfect world. Sin has marred this world. There's a curse because of sin. But what we're talking about here and what God's giving us in the text is suffering specifically in the will of God. This is because you're a Christian. 
And there's all kinds. And of course, you mentioned last week, uh, there's really to be no comparison, no matter how great your suffering is. You, you think about this now, you think about people like Job. And the depth of this truth is amazing. That there's no comparison. You shouldn't even compare the suffering you have to go through in the will of God and the glory that's going to be revealed in you one day. No comparison. And so there's this groaning in creation because we live in a very imperfect world. And Jesus redeemed the creation. But the full fruit of that is yet to come. And that's going to come in his second coming. Things are going to get better and better and better. thousand-year reign where he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem, and things are going to get better than ever on earth every year for a 1,000 years. And then he's going to create new heavens and a new earth. So that's what we have to look forward to. So everybody suffers because of the curse, because of sin, but there's a specific suffering that every individual Christian is called to. And one of the challenges with that, you know, uh, Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to his disciples, and one of the occasions, um, they'd been out fishing all night. And this happened at the beginning uh, of Jesus' ministry with them, and then it happened after his resurrection. And Peter, you know, he gets tired of waiting for the Lord to show up there in Galilee, and he says, I'm going fishing. And some of the other guys said, we're going with you. And they fished all night, and they caught squat. They caught nothing. Next day, this figure on the beach says, hey, you guys got any fish? No. You know, have you been fishing all night? Cast your nets on the other side. And then they got more fish than they could even pull in in the nets. And if you know that story, um, Jesus then has breakfast with them on the beach, has a walk with Peter. John is following close behind him, John the apostle. And Jesus reveals to Peter uh, how much he's going to suffer in the future. When you were young, you dressed the way you wanted to dress and went where you wanted to go. When you're older, you're gonna, they're going to dress you in a way you don't want to be dressed, and they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. And they say that Peter was crucified, and he requested to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified right side up. So he, he was going to suffer in the future. And when Peter hears this about what's going to happen to him in the will of God in the future, he turns to Jesus, and John's right behind him, and he goes, well, Lord, if that's what you got for me, what about him? And that's the way we are. And sometimes you end up suffering and you, and you think you've been more spiritual than somebody else in church, you know, and, you, and you, they're not suffering like you are. And then the wicked neighbor of yours, you know, they're not suffering at all. And you go, what in the world? So, so the, context, the context is suffering in the will of God. And your suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in you. That's what you got to keep your eyes on. Because you got a glorious future. So what then shall we say in response to these things? Your glorious future in light of your suffering. And then here's what he says. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You know what all things mean? All things. I mean, all things. We'll come back to that one. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. 
Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. That's amazing. 24-7. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Hardship? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger or sword? As it is written. Now he quotes from Psalm 44. Let me give you the context of Psalm 44. It's about Israel and a time in Israel as a people and as a nation where it seemed like God has just totally forsaken them and they can't figure out why he did. For your sake, we face death all day long. Even though they didn't understand it, they concluded it must be the will of God. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. And this is the most amazing statement in the text. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. That's an amazing statement. It's enough just to be a conqueror, but we're more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I'm convinced, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And I want to tell you piece by piece what we just read and what God had to say to us and has to say to us through these few verses. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Number one, God is for me. And the undeniable confirmation of that truth is the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me read it one more time. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. If God is for us, who can be against us? The idea, again, is whenever you feel like, as a Christian, God doesn't love you. And Christians sometimes feel like God really doesn't love me. Because of what you're going through in life. And you can't figure out why you're going through it and why God doesn't do something. And whenever you get that feeling and then Satan comes along or sends one of his little peon demons, you know, and whispers in your ear and he says, you see there? That's exactly how it started in the book of Genesis. Did God really say, you know, not to eat of this? Well, God knows, you know, he's, he's, he's holding back from you. He's not really, he doesn't really love you. That's where the whole thing started. And doubting the character of God, that he really does love you. And if you come to that place, and maybe you're at that place in life, listen, what you need to do is stare hard at the cross. You need to gaze at the sacrifice that God made on that cross. And you cannot come away from looking at that cross and say truthfully. Now, you may have to do it by faith, but you can do by faith in the object that you're looking at. He gave everything. He gave the apple of his eye. He gave himself. He gave a part of himself. He gave his one and only son for you. And every time doubt comes in that God loves you, you go back to the cross. And it's undeniable truth. Undeniable truth. God loves you. God loves me. And nobody can change that. 
Amen? When I get real emotional, here's a clue. It means I need it just as bad as you do. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Corinthian church, they were one of the most carnal churches Paul the apostle ever had to deal with. And if you know anything about 1st and 2nd Corinthians in the New Testament, Paul writes 1st Corinthians, and in chapter 3, he blasts them, and he blasts them for a lot of things because they needed to be corrected. They needed to be spanked. One of the things that was happening is that in the church, in the church, brothers and sisters in Christ were wronging one another, cheating one another. And the response to your brother or sister that had cheated you, you know what it was in the Corinthian church? They took them to court. We got some Corinth in the ministry I've pastored for many years. We've got some Corinth in our church from time to time. It's amazing to find brothers and sisters going before the, the, the unbelievers for some, for some physical thing or, or some money, you know. You know, maybe, maybe they cheated you and it's a Christian company you hired and they cheated you. And how, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to go sue them. And you know what the answer that Paul says to the Corinthians in that situation is? Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? In other words, it's better to go ahead and suffer the loss than to go before unbelievers to try to get something that you're going to get anyway. You're going to get it anyway. When Abraham and Lot they had the quarreling because God was blessing both of them and they were, you know, their herds were multiplying and their blessings materially were multiplying. And, and Abraham goes to Lot and says, look, we're brothers. We shouldn't be fighting like this and our servants, you know, we're fighting. So here Abraham said, here's what we'll do. You choose whichever way you want to go and whichever way you choose, I'll go the other way. And you know what Lot chose? And you found that Lot was a carnal believer. And he got in trouble for years because of it. Lost his wife, lost his family because of his carnal and his carnality. And you see his carnality right in the beginning there in that choice. And he looked and he saw where the grass was greener down toward Sodom. And he chose where the grass is greener. And on the surface, it looked like he got the better deal. You know what God said to Abraham right after that? If you read the text, right after Lot makes his choice where the grass is greener, God says to Abraham, go look north, south, east, and west. I'm giving it all to you. It's all yours. You join here with Jesus Christ. Sometimes I've had the privilege of going in of houses, sometimes other Christians' houses. You know, we've been invited into, and you walk in, you go, wow. And I go back to my little shack now in South St. Pete. I mean, in comparison to what I've just been in, in comparison. You know what I do now? And I try to do it every time. Every, I, I think, wow, it's a nice little hut here, but I wonder what my mansion looks like in heaven. Look, it's all yours. Listen, the, the best of the best here is nothing compared to where we're headed. The capital city of where I'm going to live for all eternity has streets of gold. And it's not a metaphor. It's not allegorical. It's real gold and a real street. 
There are 12 gates to enter the capital city, and every single gate is a pearl. I can't wait to see those clams in heaven. It's a real place. The foundation of the city, 12, 12 foundations, every one a precious stone. You, you can't imagine the glory. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ, everything he has. Yeah. And so do you. So why are you fighting over stuff now? Why do you get all bent out of shape when you feel like, oh, I didn't get what I wanted? One day Jesus is confronted by a guy and he says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he says, man, who made me an arbiter, a judge between you and your brother? And then you know what he says after that? Watch out for all kinds of greed. Watch out. Watch out for wanting things in this life. Listen, you already own it. You already own it. We own the world. I, we're trying to get people to Mars. I don't, why do I want to go to Mars? I get to go to Mars after the new creation, or at least, you know, once I'm like the angels, but look, we got to move on here. But look, we're going to be able to travel. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Number three, I'm not getting all this. Not getting all this because of anything I've done. Well, I'm here, look, because I deserve it. No, you don't, you don't deserve nothing. Nothing. And I, you say, where is that point in the text? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? In other words, some people look and say, yeah, you don't deserve that. That's what hell says all the time. Hell looks at us and, and says, them? They're yours? And that's when Jesus intercedes. And he says, yes, I paid the price for them. And now they have my righteousness. We don't deserve it because of him. And for all eternity, you'll never forget that. You'll never forget that you're there, not because of your righteousness. You're there because of what Jesus did. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. I went and checked out, you know, these things that will tell you what the words really mean and go into more depth. And the trouble, trouble is difficulty, problems of any kind. But the hardship, when it's answering the question, what shall separate me? Well, there's no difficulty. There's no problem. Hardship is severe suffering. That's when it gets really heavy. Persecution is hostility from others because you are a Christian. Famine. I've never experienced famine. It's severe and prolonged hunger in a substantial portion of the population and it's part of the population you live in. Nakedness. What is that? You've been robbed of everything, including your clothes. You don't own it. You don't own nothing. They've taken everything from you. Can't separate you from the love of Christ. The danger the danger, the word they say really means you're not there yet experiencing the danger, but you see it coming. You see it coming. And then sword, well, that's death. And he says it, and then he says a couple other things, and then he goes right back to it again. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors. And then verse 38, he talks about other things. I'm convinced, and then he lists some other things that can't separate us from the love of Christ. Death nor life. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Angels or demons, nothing in the spiritual realm. 
the present or the future. The present is bad. The future may be worse. Can't separate me from the love of Christ. No powers, no government, no nation, no person. Neither height nor depth. There is no place you can go and be separated from the love of Christ. And then he just says, nor anything in all creation. You know what that is? That's fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. There's nothing. Nothing. Nothing, no one, no how can separate you from the love of Christ. Now here's where we get to the juicy part. Living out my purpose in this life as a Christian involves innocent suffering that sometimes appears to make no sense. I emphasize the innocent because this is suffering that you didn't do something, you didn't make a mistake. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. No, because you are committed, it's because you are committed. Not your fault, <laughs> but it's your decision to be committed, and you, you're going to suffer. And every one of us is going to suffer in different ways in the will of God. Despite the appearance of defeat due to my suffering, I'm actually more than a conqueror. Would you say that with me? Come on, loudly. Say that with me. Ready? Despite the appearance of defeat due to my suffering, I'm actually more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Isn't that an amazing statement? More than a conqueror. For years, I'm like, what, is, what does that mean? How can you be more than a conqueror? It has to mean something or God wouldn't have put it there and inspired it by the Holy Spirit and put it exactly like that. It has to mean something. He could have said, you're, you're, a, you're a winner. You're a winner for all eternity. But he didn't say that. He's, you're more than a winner. What does that mean? You think I'm going to tell you? You're right. What does that mean? <laughs> a conqueror defeats his enemy. While one who is more than a conqueror subjugates his enemy, making his enemy serve his own purposes. In essence, making his enemy, his foe, a slave. So you don't just win. You actually make the enemy serve the purpose of God in your life and through your life. Now, if you're of my educational background, you might have looked at the word subjugate, and you know, I really like to know a little more what that means. Okay, good. Subjugate, it means to bring under domination or control. And the idea is the enemy thinks he's winning but the truth is, he's a slave to what God's trying to do. He's actually under control and domination for God's purpose. Fascinating. We don't look like conquerors to the world. And we certainly don't look like more than conquerors. If it's God, I'll take it. If not, we'll keep moving. Turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Saul of Tarsus becomes the apostle Paul after he gets saved on his way to persecute more Christians because he thinks Jesus is not the Messiah. This is some cult, and he's looking to stamp this thing out. And then he meets Jesus, resurrected Jesus. 
totally transforms his life. We're so glad that you joined us for today's edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message from the Book of Romans again, or hear more from Pastor Danny Hodges, visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As you make your way through the Bible, you might be surprised how something you read hits your heart exactly where you're at or what you're going through. God's Word has a way of doing that, and it's unmistakably God's way of speaking to you. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God over the radio, even if they weren't intending to. Pray that listeners would be open to hearing the gospel message. Pray also that we'd continue seeking God's will for this program in teaching the Word and reaching the world. We'd also like to ask you to pray about supporting The Living Word financially. If you feel led, you can find a way to do this through our website, ccfstbete.church. Just click on the Give tab. We're so grateful for your support. Thanks for praying, giving, and listening here on The Living Word.